Hello and welcome to an episode of Hack of Public Radio. I'll be your host for today, Deep Geek. Today on Hack of Public Radio, this show, a product review of FRS GMRS Walkie Talkies available at Radio Shack. Perhaps you've seen these walkie-talkies at Radio Shack that I'm talking, going to talk to you about today that I've recently purchased. They're like hang on a peg, and, it, and there's a plastic package, and there's a pair of walkie-talkies, and the packaging says, FRS GMRS walkie-talkies, up to a 10-mile range, and these units retail for about uh, $40 for the pair, or, which is, comes to $20 a piece. So, there are a pair of walkie-talkies there, I gotta mention that they are, you know, a good-looking pair of walkie-talkies. Back when I was a kid, and it was CB radios, and the walkie-talkies were big, clunky. They looked more like something out of a, a World War II movie. These things are small, sexy units with a tiny built-in antenna. Um, they have a gold faceplate. Looks good, you know. Um, the kitty walkie-talkies, you know, I've, I, I looked at them recently because, in, in preparation for this episode of HPR, and the kitty walkie-talkies build up to a thousand feet, yes, feet, um, range. So they're, the, the kitty walkie-talkies are, are one channel, you know, you're not going to get out, you know, you're not going to get any distance out of them, certainly, because the range in the real-world test is only a fraction of, of what they say. That's why they say up to. But I'd like to talk about that later when I get a little bit more technical about these units. But, you know, okay, walkie-talkies, what's the big deal? You know, you push the button, you talk into it, you know, the other one pops alive. Well, these things are a little bit more functional than what I expected. First of all, they have a built-in scanner. So they come with 22 channels. You push the scanner button, it scans all 22 channels. And you can pick up some interesting things out there. Um, I, for instance, picked up a couple of powerful base stations um, in the distance. I can tell because I can hear the static, you know, as they broadcast. Um, I also found a what appears to be a Spanish-language taxi dispatcher operating closer to the city. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, I, what can I say, picking up all these things out there. Uh, in my neighborhood where I'm at, there's not a lot of use of these, so so 22 channels, getting a free channel isn't a big deal at all. However, from reading the web about these, I can see that a very popular usage is uh, family outings and going to uh, theme parks. And I understand that using these in a theme park, oh, it can get quite busy on these frequencies, which is the second really interesting feature I didn't expect is that there's a thing called privacy codes. You know, like like the range, you know, instead of just telling you how powerful something is off the bat, you know, they're, they're a little zealous about ma simplifying things for marketing. It's not really privacy. What it is, it, is there's a code you set, and that code will only activate other units that are listening for the same code. So it really should be called the screen out other units function, but that would sound really bad. They call it privacy codes. And the ones I got, you know, had a hundred of these. So even if the, the the channels were getting crowded, you know, you could say, okay, use channel 22 and privacy code 14. And then only when I, when I used it, only people listening for privacy code 14 would pick up, um, provided they had the privacy code set. Eavesdropping 
is still a big issue. Um, so these little units, like I said, they bill as up to 10 miles. Well, you know, maybe if you have two people staying on a mountaintop with 10 miles of distance between them and nothing in between, you can get 10 miles. In actuality, testing these, driving around from car to car, I got one mile. Um, and in really bad terrain on foot, I got a half a mile. So, you know, they're really, I, I'm going to, when I talk technical, a little bit more technical about these things, I'll talk about the power involved. It's an issue. Uh, but before I get to that, I do want to talk about licensing because there's a very good chance that if you're, you're listening to this program, you're listening in the States, in the United States of America, and hear uh, two-way com conversations by radio governed by the Federal Communications Commission, FCC.gov. These walkie-talkies are supposed to be licensed. Um, the license costs $80, requires no test, and applies to your whole family. So for $80 for five years, you and everyone in your family can use these walkie-talkies, nice and legal-like. So I, I hardly recommend getting the license and being official about it. However, I do note from reading the web, the, the statistics on the web pages, that there are a lot more sales of these than there are license applications. Uh, there are a few slight restrictions on the use near Canada. Apparently, a few of the frequencies are being used in other services in Canadian jurisdictions. But that's, you know, all in the manual, so read the manual. Uh, so let's get a little bit more technical. Let's talk about that range. Now, these walkie-talkies, they say up to 10-mile range. And I said that I got in the real world about a mile, uh, car to car. Well, they're really one-watt walkie-talkies. So, if I were inter you and interested in these, I would definitely look online and get a pair of 5-watt. Five 5-watt five walkie-talkies in this class are the, are the most powerful walkie-talkies you can get. Um, that will actually effectively triple your range. So, you should be able to get like 3 miles in a car and like in really bad terrain on foot, maybe mile and a half, which could be really useful. So... I would recommend going, paying the few extra dollars. You know, maybe you end up paying twice as much. Be much more useful. You know, I have a rather large family that I'm married into, and uh, we can actually use the extra units, so I don't mind. But that might not be your situation. So these walkie-talkies, you know, range in power from half a watt to five watts. Now, the walkie-talkies that I'm particularly talking about, the 10-mile range radio shacks, there's eight channels for family radio service that do not require licensing. Um, and if you switch to one of those channels, it cuts back to a half a watt. And then you can use it without licensure as much as you want for whatever you want. Um, and it's not like amateur radio where talking about business is forbidden. You're allowed to discuss your family business. So if your family owns a business and you're delivering stuff, use these to your heart's content. Um, but the other channels, the other 14 channels, are more powerful on this unit. Broadcast at 1 watt, need the licensing. And if you get the more powerful one, the 5 watts. So you need the licensing for those. Uh, they broadcast in the 400 megahertz band. 
Uh, do you guys remember the old UHF channels? You know, you like there used to be a dial on a TV set, and between two and thirteen, you would have these other fourteen through eighty-three. That puts it about the old channel eighty when they got rid of that. That's where these are. So when they do convert TV systems, you know, the public does get a few channels out of the deal instead of the FCC just making money at, at an auction of, of frequencies. And that band is known for its line-of-sight communication. So the licensing used to be a lot stricter in the CB Citizens Band radio service days when those were a fad and a fashion. Um, you used to have to license anything over 100 milliwatts or one-tenth of a watt but CB radios operate around 27 megahertz, not 200 megahertz. And at 27 megahertz, during the right weather conditions, or meteorological conditions would be more correct, can increase the range. But at this frequency, it's strictly line of sight. Weather conditions shouldn't affect it too much. Uh, what, the, what this frequency does affect very nicely is uh, many people who are not radio enthusiasts don't understand this, but radio frequency affects antenna size. And so this very high frequency means that you have a very small built-in antenna, whereas the old, you know, 27 megahertz units used to have an antenna that would untelescope and be, you know, maybe six feet above your head. So, for the bang for your buck, you know, if you want to, you know, not use cell minutes, go back and forth, you got to move cars around or stuff like that, I would recommend getting units just like these. Okay, today's geek tidbit. Uh, I was going to, I was actually considering doing, I talked about CB radio a lot in this episode, and I was actually considering doing a CB radio retrospective and talk about the wild and wooly days of CB radio. Uh, and I said, you know what, you know, retro computing is one thing, um, retro radio might be another, so... I decided to spare you so, but the best anecdote, and to give you a, a, a concept of the change of technology, because we are interested in technology here, um, in the time, to have one good story, one really good story. Um, it, it has to do with what's known as free banding, which is a word that uh, the amateur radio scene uses for to mean operating in frequencies you aren't supposed to be on. Now, the old days of CB radio, you know, you might remember there were 23 channels. And we didn't have microcontrollers yet in those days, you know. I mean, I'm going way back to the 70s now, you know. Someone nicknamed me Gramps at the Hope Conference. Uh, well, but that, that, pull up a chair and that Grandpa tell you a story, you know. Um, CB, CB radios used to be all solid-state electronics. You know, this came after tubes and before chips. So, if you opened up your CB radio, you would see 23 pairs of crystals standing in a row. And each pair was for each channel that you could select on the front of the radio. And one was a transmit crystal that controlled the frequency you transmitted on. One was the receive crystal. And the transmit crystals were cut a either a little bit above or a little bit below the receive crystals. And... CB radio was big in the 70s. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of movies. I'm sure you've all seen Smokey and the Bandit. You know, a lot of people, for a lot of people, what that meant was that we had to pretend to be truck drivers for a while. Um, but for hacker types, for people who are interested in technology and experimenting, 
there was a whole scene of pushing radios in directions they weren't meant to be pushed in. And CB radios were particularly vulnerable to this. You know, uh, pushing radios where they don't mean to, to go, you know, one technique ha involved in hacking in general is to just try switching things around or mixing and matching things. In case in point, you know, amateur radio operators in this country often use what's known as a linear amplifier. So if they're in a car and their car radio, you know, let's say it has 5 watt output, you know, they might put it through a, an amplifier that would multiply it by 300 times and they would go up to the legal 1500 watt limit for amateur radio operators. The limit for CB radios is 4 watts. Alright? So, like, one of the things people used to do, you know, to, to, ha to get, get out further with the radio, is they would take a ham radio's, ham radio operator's linear amplifier, plug into the CB radio, and have, you know, the equivalent of your local AM news station in a car, you know, and then they would wonder why the paint melted where the antenna was mounted on the car. Uh, these things happened. But, you know, the country was into CB radio. It was a fashion. They were making movies about C involving CB radios. They were making TV shows that featured CB radios. Everyone, every, every other person had a CB radio in their car. We were all radioing each other while we were driving, talking about, you know, where cops were and crap. It was crowded, and we all wanted to use it. So some people sought to alleviate the crowdingness, so... What some people did is they used the old hacker technique of, you know, pulling apart components and switching things around. And if you opened up your CB radio and took the last one, channel 23, and pulled out the crystals and switched them, all of a sudden you had a really, really quiet channel where you, your friends, and maybe a few people around you who were as clever as you hung out. Well, this was all fine and good. After CB radio died down, we found out the truth of the matter, which which was that this practice effectively put you on a frequency reserve for the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States of America. If I can imagine a list of federal agencies I don't want to screw with, they're on it. <laughs> So, you know, back in those days, we were hijacking the CIA's frequencies. Nice nice to find out later, huh? Oh, well. That's my geek tidbit for today. Have a great day. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.